The world is full of nicotine products. Cigarettes, vaping, chews, pouches, and all the way down to the medical-sounding topical patches. No one in the entire world is under the impression any of them are healthy, but a very large population finds it impossible to stop. Welcome to the Just Dumb Enough podcast, a show that acknowledges no one is always an expert by dispelling misconceptions with real experts. I'm your host as always, Colton Petrie. Bear with me, everyone. I am a little sick, but I am trying to work through it and make sure I get an episode out for all of you. My guest today is Natalie Clays. Natalie was a smoker for 20 years, not ever really loving the addiction, but unable to find a way out of it, until one day she found a program that works. Now she's been nicotine-free for 20 years and wants to share how anyone out there can in fact do it easily, without substituting one addiction for another, going on unpleasant medication, or completely hating your life. Fun fact, hookah is actually the worst type of smoking you can do, with each session being equal to smoking 150 cigarettes. Let's kick the habit. Welcome to the show, Natalie Clays. And thank you for having me, Colton. Good to be here. Yes, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Why don't you give a little introduction of yourself to everyone listening? Oh, okay. Gosh. Um, okay. My name's Natalie Clays. I'm originally from the UK, now living in America. Thank you for having me. My background is somebody who smoked for 20 years, um, tried all the usual methods to stop, everything, you know, everything available you name it I tried it nothing worked I'm sure there might be listeners who can relate to that and yes it was as difficult as everybody says um but then I found a way that was really really easy which kind of exploded all the lies and myths around smoking in the tobacco industry and it kind of changed my life and that's really what I wanted to um talk about today so um yeah I've been I've been helping people quit smoking for gosh it's nearly 20 years now congratulations Thank you. Thank you. Um, but yes, I'm in uh, Colorado and um, very much enjoying the experience of living in your beautiful country. Yeah, thanks for thanks for being here. We appreciate having you. Is smoking kind of like, is that across the barrier thing? Like it's, you know, is smoking as big of a problem in, uh, you know, in Europe as it is? In oh, the gosh. It depends if you look at yeah percentage wise. There's actually uh, uh, America's actually not too bad percentage wise. It's about last time I checked, the CDC were quoting thirteen percent of the population smokes. Obviously, there's a lot of vapors you can add to that, and we are talking nicotine addiction. But even so, the percentage in America is lower than Europe and lower than Australia, where I've actually just come from. But the numbers, because it's such a huge population, we are talking like thirty-four million smokers and a huge number of, of vapors as well and obviously starting at an earlier age so it's it's still a huge global problem that we have and um, a lot of misinformation out there yeah and are we more or less restrictive than other countries here in the u.s like is there a country in specific where you're like they have the loosest restrictions and another that has the heaviest oh wow um the heaviest restrictions at bhutan it's completely banned so you're not if you go and live there you're not going to be smoking now before I moved to America I lived in Australia they're pretty strict 
Um, there's the packaging, it just shows you really horrible graphic images. All the branding's been removed. Um, the cost in Australian dollars, let me try and convert this. Uh, gosh, it, let's say let's say 30 to 35 US dollars a packet of cigarettes. So they've really hiked the prices up enormously to, to deter people. So Australia so is pretty strict. Um, there are countries, mainly probably in Asia, where it's a lot more lax, where they still advertise it. You can still smoke indoors. Um, last time I was, I was at an airport in Indonesia, and I was stunned to see that people were still smoking inside the, the airport restaurant. I mean, that was a few years ago, but it's so America's probably um, it's, it's probably somewhere in, in on the stricter side, but nowhere near as strict as, as I said, countries like Australia, New Zealand, um, where they're, you know, um, very, very, very tight on it. Interesting. Yeah, the show has a lot of international audience that is, you know, like my, I think my top five countries has all of those in it. Oh, so wow. We're, we're talking like the US, the UK, Canada, I know just from knowing people there is pretty hard to yeah. smoke in. But Australia, and then generally like New Zealand, it's somewhere in there sometimes yeah. as well. So I'm like, oh, it's very interesting. Most of those, you know, kind of fall across the spectrum from like relatively easy to pretty strict. Yeah, and we're some here. We're somewhere. I wouldn't say in the middle. I'd say towards the stricter side, but probably nowhere near as strict as some of those countries we mentioned before. Interesting. So, what got you started working to help other people quit? Ah, uh, wow. Um, this is okay. So, when I mentioned earlier that I tried everything, I tried everything. I tried all the usual things. I tried the patches, the gum, the sprays, the the version of vapes before they were electronic, when it was more like a manual vape. I did the hypnotherapy. I did the cold turkey. I, I did the I did the everything, and nothing worked at all. Then I came, through a recommendation of a friend, I came across a very very different approach, and I kind of felt I had nothing to lose. I'd tried everything, and I so I went as a client, and it was easy. And I know it's hard to believe, but after all the failed miserable attempts, it was finally easy because I was told a bunch of stuff that I didn't know about and it really opened my eyes to the truth about it and it truly made it easy it was in 2003 and it made it easy to stop I didn't crave it I didn't miss it I didn't want it and it it really kind of blew me away and I just couldn't believe that this I'd been fed so much misinformation for so many years information that made it so difficult to stop and finally actually it was easy um yeah and it was a bit of a wake-up call really and I just felt so strongly about it that I wanted to I wanted to help other people so I I ditched my day job and I just threw myself into into training to become a you know facilitator myself and um so yeah I'm like the Victor Kayam who you know was so impressed with the the shaver he bought the company I kind of was so impressed with this method that I I I bought into it and um yeah I've been with them since 2004 um and it was really quite life-changing all right and just before we get into the method on this was there any of the other methods that had like it did a little better for you than others where you're like the patch was okay the gum was terrible the hypnotherapy was interesting any of that no the best attempt with any of these methods i had was I, I once went more than a day once in years and years of trying most of the time it was a matter of hours 
um, on one occasion. And do you know why why I got more than a day? Because it was New Year's Day and I was so hungover, I couldn't bring myself to smoke. And I made it through a whole day till about the afternoon of the following day and was just climbing the walls desperate for a smoke. So none of them helped me in the slightest. They just made me want to smoke even more. So um, I honestly felt doomed up to be a smoker for life. And for you, I, I know we didn't really talk about this, were you considered like a heavy smoker? Uh, my smoking varied over the years, depending on my life situation. So when I started as a teenager, I was a one a day smoker. <laughs> and then it, it then it built up, that was one a day at lunchtime, school days only, hiding from everybody, built up to two a day, that built up to five a day, that built up to 10 a day. And over the years, it progressed to probably at its peak, 50 a day, very give or take. And that would be, let's say, um, a weekend when I was out sort of socialising and I'd, yeah, I could get through 50 in a day. And then I went through phases where it was back to five or 10 a day when I had a job where I didn't want people to know I smoked. And so I didn't smoke all day, but I'd get home and smoke all evening. So it was very varied from anything from one a day at its, at its start up to 50 a day when I was out, you know, socialising. For the most part, for the most part in the 20 years of smoking, I was probably pretty average pack a day. So what is the method that you found that did work for you? Yeah, well, it's a method called Alan Carr's Easy Way, and it sounds a bit corny, but it really was easy. So um, Alan Carr himself was a smoker. Um, he began, he kind of stumbled across it for me. He kind of figured it out for himself, but it was, I went to Alan Carr's Easy Way seminar and what it did was it challenged what we've been led to believe. It challenged the stuff we've been told by the industry and it made me open up and question it. And it really presented smoking from a very, very different perception or very different perspective. So I actually thought, so it really addressed the psychology of smoking, not just the physical addiction. Now you think about say patches, pills, gum and sprays, vapes, whatever. They just address the, the physical addiction to the drug nicotine. It's a bit like well, you can't have it, so have this instead. Let's use a substitute and let's continue to drip feed you nicotine. But of course, that keeps you wanting more. Whereas Alan Carr's method challenged and questioned the, the psychology around smoking. And it really looked at, you know, every other method had told me why I shouldn't do it. Well, I'm not an idiot. I knew why I shouldn't do it. Every smoker knows why we shouldn't do it. We're not stupid. Um, what it did it didn't tell me why I shouldn't smoke. It didn't make me feel stupid or dumb. It looked at why I did smoke. It actually looked at the opposite, why you do smoke. And, you know, as smokers, we'll give a whole bunch of different reasons as to why we do it. You know, well, it relaxes me. It relieves stress. It relieves boredom, helps me concentrate, time out, habit, social, blah, 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 blah. And it just kind of destroyed all those things that I thought about it. It just dissected it, took it apart and challenged every single thing I thought I knew about smoking and kind of proved the opposite. It proved the opposite. And in the end, you're left with nowhere to go. You're left with all these myths around smoking are completely debunked. And you realize all the perceived benefits, all the things that you think you're getting out of it simply don't exist, simply not true. So it actually doesn't relax you. It makes you very unrelaxed. It doesn't relieve stress. It makes you really stressed and anxious. And so it just really turned it upside down on its head and made me really see it very, very differently. 
And so by the end of this seminar I went to, I just had no desire. I just didn't want to smoke. I, I didn't want to. There was no desire because I finally saw there was no reason to smoke. Whereas if I compare that to, say, using, you know, replacements or nicotine substitutes, what they do is they tell you, well, you're not allowed to smoke. You shouldn't smoke. And you're kind of trying not you want to, but you're not allowed or you want to, but you shouldn't. You want to, but you mustn't. This was kind of like, well, I can, but I actually don't want to because I no longer see any reason to, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it seems like, you know, as we talked about, like there's a lot of physical replacements out there. I don't know that I've seen anyone do anything other than transition. Like I've yeah. seen people move from smoking to vaping or from smoking to like smokeless nicotine, some of the pouches, but I haven't seen anyone actually quit that way. Most of the people that I have seen in my life quit have like, you know, a, a reason beyond that. It's mental to where they're like, oh, I have to quit because of this thing. Mm. And they're like, oh, you know, X medical reason or X whatever. And they're like, oh, I just stopped. Like I just cold turkey quit. And that for some reason is the most defective one. And like you're saying, it's because it's so psychological versus so like, oh, well, let's try and fix the, the physical aspect of it. Yeah. And this seems like it really leans into that. I mean, these physical products generally just keep you addicted to nicotine. So, you know, we let's say, OK, we're talking about smoking, but let's call it nicotine addiction. So whether it's through a cigarette, through a vape, through um, a patch, gum, spray, lozenger, um hooker whatever blah 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 um it's nicotine addiction and so to just switch the delivery device from one to another it still keeps you hooked on the drug but it still keeps you wanting the drug and that's you know you can't get free that way you can stop that way of course you can but you'll never ever you won't change how you you won't fully understand how the hot smoking trap works so there's always this sense of i'll give you an example my dad so my dad's um smoked for I'm gonna say 20 years and he stopped when he was uh let's say I think in his early 40s now he's nearly 80 now now there's no way my dad would ever smoke again there's absolutely no now, he just did it cold turkey there's no way he'll ever smoke again but I've heard my dad even now say oh you know I, I yeah I really enjoyed smoking I could I could still go for one if I you know if it wasn't so so in his mind he spent it's not that he's craved on 40 years, he hasn't, but he still believes that he gave something up. He still believes it was a sacrifice, whereas what I've been through makes me loathe and detest it and 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 really hate the industry so much. And just there's no way, nothing could happen in my life. Nothing could ever happen to make me want to smoke or take any form of nicotine because I've now seen the absolute truth about it was my dad still believes all that, all the industry lies and yeah, so he's, yes, he's free of it. Yes, he doesn't think about it regularly, but there's always at the back of his mind that he gave something up. And that's what these methods will generally do. You can stop by using them. You absolutely can. But they very, very rarely make it easy. They very rarely make it liberating. And they very rarely give you a sense of freedom from, you know, what is pure and simple drug addiction. Well, and there's got to be something so dangerous for you in the thought process of saying like, well, I could have just one, like I quit, but I could have just one today just cause like I miss the feeling and I'm just going to have one for today and then never again. Mm -hmm. 
Like that's got to be one of the slipperiest slopes in here because you're talking about like an incredibly addictive chemical. Yeah, you know, if you can see the benefit in one cigarette, you can see the benefit in one million cigarettes. I mean, we say in our seminars all the time, there really is no such thing as one. You can't control it. It's drug addiction and it controls you. Yeah. It, you know, it controls you. I mean, this is another one of the myths. You know, people believe they smoke out of choice. Well, if you had a genuine choice, you choose not to do it. I mean, no part of addiction equals choice. The very nature of addiction is it denies any choice because what it did is it, it controlled me, it controlled my thoughts, my behavior, my actions, my mood, my everything. That ain't choice. That's, you know, drug addiction. So what are some of these these methods and these like the psychology behind it that you learn, you know, through going through this program? Yeah. So, well, so the method's called Alan Carr's Easy Way. And it just really debunks the myths. So, well, that's one of them. Smokers think they smoke out of choice. Well, it's not a choice. It's drug addiction. Because as I said, if you had a choice, you'd choose not to. If you had a choice, you wouldn't be trying to stop and failing. You'd simply just not do it. So that, you know, there's a myth there that it's a choice. It's not. We we chose to like the very first experimental cigarette. We didn't choose to be trapped, you know, years and years later still doing it. So it ain't choice. Um, there's a myth that we enjoy it. Um, the reality is we only enjoy relieving the discomfort it gives us. So it'd be like sticking your hand into boiling water and it feels so much better when you take it. Oh, I enjoyed that when I take it out. That's not real pleasure. So we, yeah, we think we enjoy it, but what we're enjoying is removing the discomfort that it gave us. There's a myth that it um, relaxes us. But, you know, if we did a test and took a, pulse, blood pressure, heart rate of a smoke, uh, somebody after they light up a cigarette, they'd go off the charts. So your anxiety levels are elevated, your stress levels are elevated. So your heart rate, blood pressure uh, and pulse will all increase when you light up. So that's not relaxation. There's a myth that it relieves stress, you know, but if a kid or child was stressed and upset, would you give it a cigarette to calm them down? No way, of course they wouldn't. So when did it start to do that? At what age do we get to when suddenly, you know, it won't relieve stress for a child, but it will for an adult. You know, the product itself doesn't suddenly change when you hit, you know, the legal age. There's a myth that it's difficult to stop. And the reality is when you don't understand the drug, yes, it is difficult. But the truth is when you know the truth and you understand it, then it's really, really, really easy. There's a myth that it's, you know, the physical addiction is is so powerful and that the withdrawals are going to be so awful. But it, the fact is it's 99% psychological, 1% physical. And the physical withdrawals are only horrible when the mental part hasn't been fixed. So there's basically all these myths and lies and illusions around it. And, you know, the method is about showing you the truth. And when you see it for what it really is, the desire to smoke is removed and because you realize what you're getting for your money is a complete it's just a really pointless drug it's a pointless drug you know with other drugs you might say oh i get you know other drugs you say um you get tipsy you get drunk you get stoned you get smashed you get wired you get loved up you get high you get something you know all these different definitions of the feeling from a drug you know with smoking oh you know i got nicotined up last night i mean no one says that so what you really get from it is a low rather than a high. So it, this is what makes me so sad about it. It's like, you know, we pay so much money and it, it controls our lives and it slowly gives us a horrible slow death. But what you're getting in return 
is trying to feel like a non-smoker. So it, it actually makes it breaks my heart to see people doing it because it's just so completely pointless. I don't think I answered the question there, but I was on a roll. So <laughs> no, I think you did very well. It's one of those where, you're, like you said, yes, there's these long-term health benefits where you're like, oh, if you smoke for you know years or decades or whatever it is, like you can develop you know certain lung disorders or you can develop cancers or you can develop these things but you're like in the day-to-day -day, it has these health consequences physically where you're like you are increasing your blood pressure you're increasing your air anxiety you're increasing like all these things that are bad for you and you just don't see them in the moment because you're waiting for the next cigarette yeah and you know what um as a smoker, when so the health health scare tactics don't work because smokers know this already. As I said before, we're not stupid. We know this stuff. And when we're told about how bad it is and how it's killing us, that makes us more worried, more anxious. And the first thing you do as a smoker when you feel that way is reach for a cigarette. So they actually have the opposite effect. Telling people how bad it is and telling them it's killing them actually works adversely well for most people because it makes us more worried more concerned more stressed more likely to reach for a cigarette because we think that's going to relieve our stress we think that's going to help us cope but really it's just yeah it's doing the opposite which is very sad so is some of that like that you can show them hey i can prove that you know smoking is affecting you by giving you anxiety by doing those things yeah, there's certain, I mean, we run a six-hour seminar um, and we actually do things in the seminar that kind of highlight, I won't give anything away, but there's things that we do in the seminar to highlight these points. And for pe people, sort of like, it's like a real eye-opener. It's This is like a real turning point when people go, oh my goodness, like I just I never realised that. So yeah, in, in the seminar, we are able to highlight and illustrate and prove these points that it's doing the opposite to what you you think you're paying for or what you think you're getting for your money it's basically it's a scam it's a massive confidence trick and you know i fell for it most any smokers fallen for it and it's such a very very clever insidious trap and um and the tobacco industry you know rubbing their hands with glee and um trying to keep people in it so do these seminars act like a bit of a group therapy to rapidly accelerate your understanding to, to like, okay, we're going to break you, you know, much like how therapy can help people psychologically. You're like, we're going to do that real quick with a bunch of people. Sort of. I mean, gosh, how would I explain it? I mean, yeah, if we do do group seminars, fairly small groups, um, but they tend to be really, the, it's not so much about breaking, it's about showing you the truth and they tend to be it's you know what happens and I was the same when I went so when I arrived I was terrified and not because of stopping but I, I didn't think it would work and I think I felt it was my last chance and I thought you know, if this doesn't work I'm I'm a smoker for life because nothing's going to work and I felt very helpless and very trapped and so everybody arrives feeling really nervous and really anxious and you know in, in a state of complete panic usually um and then as the day kind of progresses, and it's actually really, really positive, and it's very, very, I'd like to say it's kind of inspiring and educational, informative, but also uplifting and really empowering. And so you start by feeling 
a bit of a wreck, how I did. Um, and you smoke all the way through. And by the end of the day, you just, the panic has gone and the anxiety is gone. And you start to say, hey, you think I can, I can actually do this. And it, so you kind of have a bit of a, sh a shift in the, in the, how you feel about it through, during the day. So most people arrive feeling really nervous and most people leave feeling actually really excited and happy and confident but just with this all this new information that just has really helps you to understand how the addiction works but you know so to, to enable in, in in order to sort of get get free of it so it's yeah it, it's very um eye-opening but also really quite empowering and how long is you know, is this usually like a one day kind of event or is this like a couple hours? How long is the, the seminar usually? Yeah, usually about six hours, six hours, smoke all the way through. So you don't basically smoke your final cigarette till you feel mentally ready to do so. So, um, yeah, about six hours. And for most people, and certainly for me, that one six hour seminar was enough to walk away and be done for forever. Um some people need more sessions, but then we offer shorter support sessions free of charge um, and we give them money back guarantee. So um, we back we back the method and we back the message. Um, but for most people, it's one to six hour session and in smallish groups. That's certainly something you don't get out of, you know, most other treatment plans where they're like, oh, if it doesn't work, you get your money back. They're like, no, it just didn't work. And I guess you're on your own again. <laughs> Or they or they prolong it and they say you've got to be on this course of medication for, you know, it's for like an ongoing um, trying to fix the problem. This is you literally walk in as a terrified, anxious smoker and you walk out six hours later and you just you just you're done. You're just done. And that desire to want to smoke or vape has gone because you finally understand the truth about it and realize just no reason to and and, and you realize there's just nothing to give up that it's not actually a sacrifice it's you know freedom from drug addiction yeah plus you get the money back of not having to smoke anymore that well that's true yes and um yes i mean save a fortune on um on not having to buy cigarettes but you know to, to me the money wasn't even the biggest thing the biggest thing was the headspace freedom the um they're not having to think about it. They're not having to plan around it. They're not having to worry about it. They're not being consumed by it anymore. I think that that was the biggest gain was this psychological freedom of not even having to think about it and just it not being a thing anymore. I mean, it sounds great. Are there any other like, you know, myths or misconceptions you kind of think about when you hear like people talking about quitting their, their nicotine addiction? Do you know, everybody, I, every random person I've met over the years, is, it's amazing how people are so opinionated about this one and everybody's an expert. So every taxi driver and every everybody's an expert and it, everybody always wants to share their story. And it, it's always it's always based around false information. And um, I, I guess, I mean, the other myths, yeah, there's a myth that says, you know, once a smoker, always a smoker, that you can never be completely free. Well, I'm walking, talking, living proof that's simply not the case. Having smoked for 20 years, nothing would be further from my thoughts than having a cigarette. So that is, you know, 
a complete myth that it, once you're there, you, you, you're always one. Um, there's a myth that it, you know, people have an addictive personality. Um, not true. Take an addictive drug, you'll get addicted to it. What else? Um, I, th I think the big ones, and this, and it, it, you know, it's the, the ones I've mentioned about, you know, believing that there are some particular sort of good things about it, when in fact there's nothing good about it. Just this myth that it's just so difficult to stop, and it, it, it's it's one that stops people even trying because we kind of think it's going to be impossible, and we think, you know, we think we're going to be miserable without it. We think that life won't be the same again but it won't be it'll be so much better because you won't have to worry about the smell and the money and the anxiety and the worry and the health risk so um a lot of these myths are what keep smokers or vapors hooked doing it the, the fact that we believe we're giving something up when in actual fact we're really not i think that's a really kind of inspiring message to leave people with to say like this is not giving something up you can do it you can quit and you'll be okay um, I'd love to give some time to, you know, to you to say, like, how do people find you or this program or more if they're looking for, you know, to finally take that leap and quit? Yeah, thank you. I mean, I can give you, I mean, our web address is, um, it's a bit of a long one, actually, and it's, I have to spell it, which is, uh, it's um, USA.AllenCarr, which is A-L-L-E-N carr.com so usa.alancar.com but also open to chat if anybody wants to call the number is um 855-440-3777 i'm in colorado and um yeah we love chatting to people and hopefully inspiring them to, to to open up to there being you know a different way of of, of thinking about it um the method's also been applied to other drugs so um alcohol is a big one um so I've personally been through the program for smoking and for alcohol. I'll be 20, a 20 year non-smoker this year and alcohol is now getting on for three years. And I, I don't miss it. I don't, I don't want it. I don't crave it. And it's not that I'm a, you know, holier than thou sort of goody. I just, I just no longer see any benefit in drinking. So it had the same kind of profound effect on me that the smoking seminar did. It just took away my desire to want alcohol because I again now see no value in it it's very much a mindset thing where you're like oh I just I'm over it I'm yeah <laughs> yeah I'm over it I'm done but realizing that we're not actually making a sacrifice and that it can be easy once you have the true facts in front of you awesome well if people are looking for those I will also put them in the show notes so that you don't have to worry too much about your spelling and you can just click on things and then find oh. them easier. So I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being here. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. And I, I hope that we've inspired somebody out there listening to, um, to just have a look at the website and have a read and, uh, yeah, find out more, but thank you for having me. Yeah. I, I hope so too. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Carlton. Do you feel more educated after listening to this episode of the Just Dumb Enough podcast? If you enjoyed the episode, please take a brief moment to rate the show five stars on iTunes or Spotify. If you really like what I'm doing, remember to subscribe for more episodes every week and check out the over 100 episode backlog. Let me know what you'd like to hear next by reaching out and emailing me, dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com, or send a message to me on any of the show pages like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or wherever else. I'm always looking for new topics, guest ideas, and questions from the audience. 
that's it for this week. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you all back here on Monday. Bye-bye.